You're tuned in to the Restaurant Rockstars Podcast. Powerful ideas to rock your restaurant. Here's your host, Roger Bodwin. Hey guys, back at you with the podcast. You know, this is one of my most exciting and interesting interviews, and I love speaking with really dynamic people. I'm talking to Mr. James Geyer, and he is a multifaceted restaurant, hospitality, design, artist, mentoring, entrepreneur. I would call him an impresario. The story begins with his design and artistic background. He founded a company, a design firm called 555 International, which has worked with some of the leading sports teams, leading you know, hotel operations, recognizable names, as well as Michelin-starred restaurants. And then he had a vision a while back for a hot neighborhood in Chicagoland, the Fulton Market Market District. And he recognized the fact that this was an up-and-coming area long before it became a restaurant hotspot. He had a vision to create Marvin's Food and Fuel, which is a TV dinner 50s-inspired restaurant all based around nostalgia and what he calls inclusivity, where this area then grew up to have all these high-priced Michelin-starred restaurants. Marvin's is flying in the face of that with an inclusive concept. Not only that, you know, James also has a really dynamic event space with rooftop views, and there's so much going on. I don't know how he does it all, but it's such an inspiring episode. We're going to talk all about his vision for, you know, the design ideas he has, the aesthetic of the business, how he trains his staff to create this inclusivity, you know, for that everyone feels welcome, and just all the ins and outs of being a really, really dynamic restaurant entrepreneur. So, yeah, stay tuned. This is a great episode. Guys, take it from me. From one operator to another, I'll tell it to you straight. Nobody likes greasy pots and pans, and I want to keep my dish guys happy. So we upgraded to Dawn Professional Pot and Pan. Dawn Professional cleans 58% more pots and pans per sink than our old soap, the so-called leading competitor. Less dish soap means fewer sink changeovers and a happier dish crew. Try Dawn Professional in your place. It's clean, upgraded. Whether you're just starting a restaurant or expanding your concept, you need a powerful web domain name. Restaurantbrands.com has 1,000 restaurant domains with new names available regularly. All these are .com domains, which are, of course, the dominant extension that your customers assume and expect. You don't want to lose traffic to your site or business with a non-.com extension. Restaurantbrands.com, you can get a relevant domain for just about any type of restaurant or cuisine, even those trending huge right now for curbside, takeout, delivery, touchless, contactless, and even ghost kitchens. With 24-hour customer support and easy pay options, including pay over time as a lease to own. You can even stop at any time if you're not 100% satisfied. Go to www.restaurantbrands.com today for your exclusive 25% off deal. Just use the coupon code RESTAURANTROCKSTARS at checkout. That's just one word, RESTAURANTROCKSTARS, to get the URL that truly fits your business and builds your brand. Welcome back, everyone, to the Restaurant Rockstars podcast, engaging topics that help restaurants rock their profits, build their brands, and deliver amazing guest service experiences. My guest today needs no introduction. He's an illustrious restaurateur entrepreneur. His name is James Geyer, and he's beyond a concept called Marvin's Food and Fuel in the Hot 
Fulton Market District of Chicagoland. Welcome to the show today, James. How are you? Thank you, Roger. Appreciate it. Happy to be here. It's cold, you know, cold wintry day on the corner of Fulton and Morgan. Yeah, it, cer- it certainly is. You know, we've never met face-to-face before. This is the first time we're actually speaking, and you got this really cool groove about you. You know, your personality, your dynamic, I can clearly tell this charisma that's just jumping through the screen. I'm sure it's going to be a really dynamic interview. But I've got a new focus now. Um, my very first question, before we get into your backstory in hospitality and restaurants, all that, I would really love to know what, besides your vocation of hospitality, what are your passions? You know, what else do you do that just lights you up? Um, you know, I, I, honestly, I'm a, a habitual entrepreneur. Uh, you know, I'm somebody who comes up with ideas and does something about it. And, you know, a lot of it really truly comes from my growing up in and around the hospitality industry my entire life mm-hmm. uh, and taking advantage of opportunities that come up with my experience, my skills. Uh, so, you know, that my hobbies are, you know, putting big ideas into actions, building businesses. Uh, that, you know, I think are right for the times. Uh, uh, and, you know, I, I do have my releases. I, I'm a fine artist and a sculptor by birth and passion. There you uh, go. I do have opportunities to work on my own personal work, but a lot of my work and uh, outside of my restaurant businesses and development businesses, I own a uh, very professional 34 years in business now, commercial design and manufacturing company, 555 International. And we design and build hospitality and retail and environments for some of the best of the best and first timers. So, you know, I'd have to say that my free time is filled with hobbies and the hobbies are building a business, building a sculpture, building of brands and, and truly bringing things to life and, and enjoying the entirety of the process and then looking and seeing how you affect people uh, when they are in your environments, you know, the smiles on people's faces, the, the customer truly, you know, the, the guest experience, the engagement, and then an owner who looks at you and says, wow, great job. So that, that's how I spend my free time. Oh, that's awesome. I get that. You know, I'm somewhat of an artist myself. I've been painting acrylics for, I don't know, 20 or 30 years. We've filled the house with them. Although my personal style, you know, really bright, vibrant, pop arty colors doesn't necessarily jazz my wife, but she lets yeah. me put them up anyway. There you go. <laughs> awesome. So let's let's start from the very beginning. Like, how did you get in that? Where'd you get the passion for hospitality and restaurants? And how young were you when you had your first gig in, in the business? <laughs> uh, first gig in the business? Well, actually... Uh, nine years old, I got a paper route in the neighborhood. My mother actually lied to them and told them I was 11 because he had to be 11 to uh, get the paper route. So probably my first engagement with customer service was delivering papers at five o'clock in the morning before school uh, and then going and asking for a tip more or less during the holiday season and, you know, the service that you provided. Uh, But truly, I became a pool boy at the first Hyatt Hotel in Lincolnwood, Illinois, the Purple Hyatt, the first Hyatt House Hotel. Um, I was a pool boy there. Uh, that really, truly started my engagement in the world of hospitality and service. And I grew up in that Hyatt Hotel for about five years. I went from pool boy. I got my life-saving certificate. I became a lifeguard. They made me the pool manager. Uh, the the uh, room service department was responsible for delivering food out to the pool. Uh, Ron Richardson, the manager of room service and catering, took a liking to me. He didn't want to send his people outside. 
He would send the food outside. He would teach me how to do the service. Uh, I would get the tips. In the off season, when the pool was closed, I started working as an apprentice engineer in the engineering department. Wow. Uh, I started working in the kitchen in the off season. Uh, the executive chef, Peter Hewer, took a liking to me. So I was working on the grill. I was the assistant to the sous chef. I, I, I worked in every aspect of this hotel for five years. Uh, kept going with, uh, then started uh, uh, doing uh, customer service and, and uh, pickup and delivery for budget rent-a-car at the same time, all during high school now. Yeah. I am baking bread for Bodine's Bakery. Sourdough Bakery had just come to Chicago. Uh, I was the assistant manager of a location they built. So I was baking bread and running this location for them all throughout high school. Uh, it just kept going. My my jobs and all throughout college then were in restaurants and or in hospitality. I uh, worked in Chicago for a number of years at a restaurant called Jerome's on the north side on Fullerton and Arlington, a very hip, cool place in the 80s, early 90s. Um, kept going from there. And then, you know, my college career led me into design and build of a commercial environment. So I started designing and building my own places. We opened our first uh, bar restaurant called Union on the north side of Chicago on Barry and Sheffield, 1988, uh, a wintry February 1st. Uh, so my engagement then started as an owner, operator, designer, builder, consistently then starting to get deep into design and building commercial environments with my company, five by five that I started in 1988. So now I was designing and building and counseling for other people and then consistently involved with my own operations. So, uh, that's kind of it. It leads up to, uh, Deuces in the Diamond Club a number of years ago with uh, my partner, Kevin, up on the north side of Wrigleyville. Uh, wonderful operation up there. Number of other operations. And then here we are at Morgan's on Fulton. Events venue. Wonderful, amazing roof deck at the corner of Fulton Morgan. Uh, beautiful Chicago skylines. Rolls into the Cody Steakhouse we own with my partners, Frank and Julie Cochia out in Cody, Wyoming. Uh, where the best of the East meets the best of the West. Awesome. And here we are this uh, past summer in the pandemic shutdown and the development of Marvin's Food and Fuel and, you know, something really righteous, legit, right for the times, casual, comfortable, approachable, inclusive. Uh, yeah, you know, it was the right thing at the right time. Uh, out of desperation to come up with something to you know, truly bring something to the neighborhood that is somewhat missing, I think, with, you know, wonderful restaurants and fine dining experiences. And uh, that just came from my being a property owner on the corner for the last 12 years and truly seeing how this went from the true meatpacking district into uh, the, the hospitality and entertainment retail district it is. So that and here we are. <laughs> wow, your experience runs really deep. That's that's an incredible journey. And what a career trajectory you're talking about here. So I grew up in the 60s. You know, I was born in 1962. And TV dinners were all the rage then. Yeah. I remember yeah. sitting with my family in front of the TV and you had the little tray stands and you're eating the TV dinners and all that kind of stuff. And that really started in the 50s, I think, right? When the first TV sets were brought yeah. out. Oh, and yeah. it was probably hot right into the 70s. 
And now you've brought that concept back at Marvin's Food and Fuel. Yeah. And I think that's really cool. I was looking at your menu and it's got that whole nostalgic feel to it. And it just seemed like you opened that pre-pandemic. Can you see around corners? Because literally that is such a perfect concept. The inclusivity you talked about, the, the rise and the huge success of Netflix and how everybody's at home now during the pandemic, you know, yeah. and you got this TV dinner concept that yeah. has come all American comfort food, right? That's yeah, cool. truly. Uh, I, I beat you by a year. I'm 61, yeah, maybe. Yes. Um, and yeah, uh, a lot of, you know, my design build memories of branding and all that truly is just uh, the impressions that I've had throughout the years. What I see, uh, what I do. I don't Pinterest. I'm, I, I don't design with a computer. Uh, CAD for me is computer after design. It's pens and pencils and paper. But wow. it's those memories and the influences. And they've been with me. And that's how I think in 3D. And, yeah. and I can truly pull it together. So yeah, pandemics rolling down, you know, what is my, what is my concept going to be? You know, ultimately, you know, it's joyful. It's fun. There's a little reminiscent. It feels authentic. It brings back good memories, whether, whether you truly live through that time or, Hey, yeah. Uh, you know what? I don't even know what the terms are these days over this past year when everybody is now at home watching TV and wondering what they're going to get for dinner and where they're going to order from. And, you know, not a novelty in any way, but just another way to truly deliver, uh, in this case, take and bake and a hot meal, not a meal that was cooked and then got to you in, in one of the platforms. And we truly appreciate the platforms and the ability to, you know, how to go and take away is happening. But we wanted to truly deliver an appropriate restaurant meal that is piping hot, ready to go and easy. So, uh, yeah, I think it's something that has legs. It will not be something that just goes away as the vaccine takes control and some of the restrictions ease up. You know, to go take away these kind of things, I, I think, are a, a permanent part of uh, our world. And, you know, we want to make, uh, you know, the, the Marvin's brand available to anybody wherever they are in the city of Chicago. That's cool. That is so cool. So, okay. So I'm getting the sense that it started as a sit down, right? And then all of a sudden pandemic hits and then you somewhat pivoted to doing take and bake. And obviously people bring it home. They cook it at their convenience. The, the cooking instructions are all there and you've got the, yeah. is it a, a limited menu, the full menu, like all that sort of stuff? We run, well, we never really closed down. You know, we, we mm -hmm. had a great run when we opened mid-August. We had a shutdown for indoor dining in October. Right, uh, middle of October, we had a serious, wonderful run inside and outside. Uh, I built some really wonderful heated pergolas that have a lot of great vibe. So we've been able to stay open uh, with that during that shutdown. Uh, but, you know, the idea of takeaway and, you know, our ability to just have, you know, something else that we can, we can bring to the table was very important. Uh, outside of, now, we had a very uh, short period of time we were open. We did not really build enough reputation to have a good takeaway program or an order platform program. So that for us started to roll in slowly. But, you know, the, this is all planned. This is all, you know, we're going to be here for a long time. So the ideas of the things that we're coming up with, we have time to start to roll them out. We do, uh, we have three, three available at all times. So it's not the full menu. Uh, some of these kind of lead into items that we're putting on our menu. 
So, you know, it's, it's a limited component for the, uh, for the TV dinners, but everything that can go off our menu will go as well. Uh, and we do have our prepackaged, uh, where our, pre- uh, our craft cocktails that we have a, a oh. number of really nice uh, to-go containers as well. So you can truly get two TV dinners, uh, a bottle of wine, a couple of cocktails in a package bottle for a, a very cost-effective price. And uh, it is just like eating it in a wonderful restaurant. So the alcohol to go has been a lifeline across the country for many operators. And the government, you know, state regulations being what they are, I'm curious if, you know, if your state, if Illinois is going to allow that continue once the pandemic is passed, it's a new revenue center for restaurants. It's fantastic as long as, you know, the requirements are fulfilled and it's a tamper-proof packaging and all that kind of stuff. But different states are treating it differently and they've almost wanted to repeal that idea and pull it back and they've been extending it here in the state of Maine. We've done the same thing in our restaurant, you know, the the cocktails to go and it's been awesome. We need to continue that. It's It's a whole new like I said, it's a new profit center. Do you see that continuing into the future? We're I mean, hopeful. your concept's not going to change, right? Yeah, we're, we're hopeful, obviously. Yeah. And it, it's one thing to help the restaurants, you know, increase another component that they could sell. Uh, and it, but yeah, it's also, in my opinion, a, a great convenience to the guest and the guest experience. And their ability to truly have a full, wonderful meal, inclusive of your beverage, delivered the right way, handcrafted. Uh, so... I would like to see that as being, you know, a permanent fixture. As long mm, as you're too. delivering food, as you know, why shouldn't you be able to? This is not a packaged liquor sales deal. We're not trying to be competitive with, you know, what packaged liquor and retail sales of that is all about. But I think it truly enhances the experience. And it the does. fact that this pandemic, and certainly here in Chicago, a lot of my compatriots, a lot of my clients, some of the best restaurateurs in the country everybody had to come up with something and the idea that you know you you can take just a component and deliver it of that restaurant's experience is not enough you should be able to bring the whole menu to your door so i i i truly believe that that's a great enhancement in the guest experience and then going back to well so many people aren't going to go out as much anymore but they should be able to bring it in right? And that whole experience. So I'm a strong proponent for it increases the guest experience and it helps the restaurants. Couldn't agree more. You talked about this pergola, you know, the heated pergolas. Now that sounds amazing. Were you actually allowed to put them out on the street corner? Because I guess you're on a corner in the Fulton Market District. Where's the space where the pergolas were? Yeah, it took both sides of the corner of Fulton and Morgan, you know, applied for a sidewalk cafe permit, which you you apply for, you, you submit your your uh, uh, drawings and their city requirements. Uh, and, you know, in the case of you've always been able to build a canopy, an enclosure, they require a certain amount of plantings and green around the perimeter. Gotcha. Uh, but the restrictions were quite loosened up this summer uh, uh, in accordance with, you know, outdoor dining becoming a very important thing. Uh, but, you know, for me, creating the environment, creating the vibe inside has to be reflective outside as well. And while a lot of people panic and ran towards, you know, well, outdoor dining in the city of Chicago and north of the Mason-Dixon isn't a happy thing in the summer. I hear uh, you. You know, the, the vibe, and since I'm a professional in design and creating the environment, I don't want to put people in a white plastic tent. I don't want to put people in a 
clear geodesic dome bubble or a converted little greenhouse. I, I think the guest experience and the vibe and the nuance of our menu uh, and, and our servers, it's important to maintain that so the guest really can enjoy it, not be forced into it just because you're stuck dining outside. So for me, dining al fresco and the fact that I travel the world all the time uh, and, and it's, you know, let's say European uh, and uh, uh, Mediterranean influences, it's always been a part of the wonderful culture and climate, even cold climates in Europe. So I wanted to build some, you know, truly great environments that were uh, proper dining al fresco. So I've built these great enclosures, used some wonderful materials, all hand built, handcrafted by myself and my, my staff, but designed the way you would have, built the way you would have. Uh, and then we have lots of code restrictions now, code requirements uh, from the city because they didn't want people to get crazy with uh, building things and fire retarder materials and things like that. So I follow the guidelines all the time. I do it the right way. So I've got really wonderful electronic quartz heaters in there. Uh, you know, it, it creates a wonderful environment when it's 25 degrees in Chicago. It's a it's a balmy 60 degrees inside of my awesome. beautiful environment. So. You know, we've got indoor dining a little bit back now. We're hopeful for more. Uh, we still have people that would prefer to be outside. So we, we're back to having both now. So you wow. know, I always try and do it the right way, lead with good design uh, and good concept. I believe that, that that's important. Just don't do something out of desperation. So it's consistent with the, um, the Marvin's experience indoors, consistent with the theme, the branding. It feels like an extension, even though you're out on the sidewalk. And, a thousand percent. And, well, you're doing well because, you know, obviously warm weather climates can do this outdoor dining thing all day long. And then suddenly I was doing that here on the coast of Maine and we had fire pits and we had quartz heaters and all that kind of stuff, but we did not have individual heated structures like, like you did. And now we're, you know, we pivoted to a full market concept as opposed to a sit down dining concept, just because the limited capacity was going to kill us. So we, we're now doing the grab and go thing. Like you're doing the prepared packaged foods to go a wide variety of that, you know, in the freezers, we're doing beer, wine, cocktails to go gifts and dog toys and you name it. It's like, it's a market concept, yeah, but we still yeah. cook hot food off the line. You can come in and get an eggs Benedict or you can yeah. get fish tacos, you know, that, so that's our concept. But, mm. you know, we were limited by once things get cold and now there's six feet of snow outside. It's like, nobody wants to sit outside anymore in Maine. So no. you're fortunate that you can continue to do that. That's, that's trying fantastic. Hard. You know, we got to beat the wind down a little bit. So I, I yeah. had these roll up, roll down sides that uh -huh. helped it to contain our heat and, and, and keep the, the cold wind from chilling us out. So let's talk about the neighborhood because you're really flying in the face of what traditionally before was a series of Michelin starred pricey restaurants, right? And now you're doing this inclusive, not exclusive concept. It's all based on nostalgia. It's based on like we talked about comfort food in a really inviting ambiance, you might say, that you've handcrafted or visioned yourself. Yes. Right. And yeah. so it's perfectly targeted to, like I said, totally fly in the face of what was there before. And people are digging it. Right. There's a buzz about it. Yeah. Well, I think I'm pretty good at my job after all these years of uh, designing, building uh, and owning property and working for some of the best of the best and helping them develop their concepts. Uh, 
being here owning this building for 12 years before Google was here, the Ace Hotel, the CTA platform, when it was truly still meatpacking, and I've been designing and building in this general uh, Randolph corridor for many years. Um, I'm a good student. I'm a good customer. I, I have to be in order to be a good leader and, and a counsel, both for my businesses and, uh, and the people I work for. Uh, and I, I'm, I do my research. Uh, my research has been, I've been on this corner for about 12 years now and seeing what's here and what's built. And I've built and designed a lot of these places. And I have Royster uh, and Next and uh, uh, Aviary across the street from me who are both clients and friends of mine. Uh, and, you know, I understand what they do and how great they are. And we have Boca Group restaurants and uh, one-off hospitality restaurants up and down. And they all do wonderful things. But I've kind of looked at what was missing. And truly, not just from a food or a beverage standpoint, but, you know, people that want to come to this neighborhood, you know, how can we make it a little more inclusive that anybody can come and have a great time on this corner? So that truly is the uh, inspiration for uh, the menu, the environment. Uh, and OK, well, yeah, seems that there was a vein there that was somewhat missing. So, you know, hence Marvin's, uh, you know, knock wood, uh, knock wood. Uh, you know, not rapid success, but well-planned, uh, you know, a combination of hard work and luck and timing and, you know, diligence and all that is, you know, taking advantage of an opportunity or actually, you know, turning a situation into an opportunity. Uh, I was not planning to be an owner-operator on this corner. I was actually planning to just be the landlord, as I am for the rest of the building, uh, Morgan's on Fulton uh, in the sixth year, going into our sixth year in business is one of the premier uh, events venues in the city of Chicago. The inclusion of, oh my God, now it's all empty. Yes, and how the Marvin's there? and Morgan's brands are now going to work together hmm. to have a four-story, 22,000 square foot uh, uh, flagship on this corner now. So it's not just this corner. It's not just my footprint on the sidewalk and our outdoor patio. We have this multi-level space, uh, and it was a, it, it was you know that sort of desperation. Nobody was going to be paying me any rent for a long time as we got shut down in the early days of this pandemic. Uh, so I decided to do something about it. So we're uh, investing heavily on, and in the spring I'm going to be uh, opening the roof deck with a brand new glass and steel retractable enclosure to make the roof deck a year-round entity. Uh, and hopefully in about a week or two, we're expanding the Marvin's corner space into the gallery space next door. So we're going to have an expanded dining room and another bar area. And in the spring, we're going to come out strong and be ready for the business to start to roll in. Uh, so I decided to make a big positive impact and put a lot of into it and, you know, be the right thing for the right times and for the future. You know, you're certainly the personality behind the brand. And I think that just pays huge dividends with business and developing business. And I get in the sense you're like the mayor of the Fulton District. You can't walk down the street without 30 people saying, you know, hey, James, what's going on, buddy? I'm not really the mayor. I'm not really the mayor. <laughs> I'm actually the maintenance guy and, you know, security oversight. <laughs> not many people around. Uh, but, you know, I keep an eye on the corner. I'm very prideful to be a property owner in the city of Chicago, to be a business owner, uh, very 
prideful to have this opportunity to build this brand. Uh, my best friend in life, Larry Brown, is my partner in this. And he and I have grown up in the city of Chicago. And a lot of our dear friends are owners of all the major restaurant groups that I had mentioned earlier. So we've all kind of grown up in and around this area. And truly, we were hanging out in the Fulton Market District when it was pretty bad and beat up. Uh, this was, you know, a part of the cruise on our motorcycles in and around. So uh, a lot of the people in the business, a lot of people that uh, we know are truly part of the authenticity and the reality of, hey, we've been all hanging out on this corner for a long time. This, there has been a great, cool local joint on the corner of my building since I, I can only get back 1961. Dino's Morgan's Inn is uh, the original restaurant and a lease that I inherited. So I, I figured, all right, well, let's just keep going with that great local joint that anybody could go. So truly, it's a continuation now. Well, I was born in 61. Just so happens I got back to 61 with Dino. So just continue with that yeah. great local approachable joint that everybody can feel, uh, you know, is it, just a righteous place to hang out and want to come back again and again. So... Again, you're a visionary, you're an entrepreneur, you're inspirational. Let's talk about staff, onboarding, training philosophies, how you sort of impart that hospitality to your team and how they deliver your vision to the customer on a daily basis. Like you've got a leadership style that's coming out crystal clear, but what's the secret sauce to your team and delivering that those magical experiences and the inclusivity thing we talked about, it all sort of blends together for me. Yeah, I believe in uh, hospitality and, you know, and, and what hospitality really means. And it, it, a lot of people just think hospitality is the food and beverage industry, restaurants and hotels. But hospitality truly is uh, in every business or should be. And mm, absolutely. Today's day and age, it is truly a differentiation maker in so many business and industries. Um, so I believe that, you know, hospitality is how somebody feels when they leave an interaction with you, your business, a service, goods, or whatever the interaction is. It could be online, it could be in a restaurant, but hospitality is truly, how does that person feel about that interaction, the quality, the value? Are they going to come back? Are they going to tell their friends? And certainly today in social media, that's what you want to get into. Totally. Tell your friends, post it. But I believe in hospitality and the guest experience. And they're not our customers. They're our guests. Absolutely right. And the minute that they interact with us, we must treat them as their guests. So um, I've been training and mentoring uh, young talent my entire career, almost 40 years now professionally. Um, I believe in uh, the idea of teach, don't tell. So, you know, it's very important to me that the staff that works with me uh, understands the entirety of the process, the nuances of, and the importance of the guest experience, and, and how it is our job to make sure of that. Uh, and I don't beat it into anybody's head. We just start off that way. But I am an owner-operator. I'm a manager. I'm not de facto. I have to always be a lead, you know, for what's right. And I also am the person that sets a good example. So if everybody sees me do it first, no reason they shouldn't be doing it the same Absolutely. way. Absolutely. Me too. So, yeah. I was like I, that too, going back 
lead by example, empower your staff, give them responsibility. Don't be afraid to let them fail, you know, recognition and rewards. I mean, all these things were important. I called that my exit strategy because I worked on my business and I, you know, and I was right in the trenches with them, never too important to pick up trash in the parking lot, lead by example, all the stuff we're talking about and then train daily so that, and then recognize and rewarded those people to have my back. So that was my exit strategy. I could go out and do real estate projects. I could go start another restaurant. I could spend more time with my kids. It's like they had my back and that was such a magic formula, you know, I called it the dream team. I truly awesome. do the uh, maintenance and repairs around my building on Saturday yeah. and Sunday mornings. Uh-huh. Uh, it's a it's a me time. You ask what I do as a hobby. Well, I'm a carpenter by birth and passion as well. Uh, I have a tough time hiring people to do the things that I could do. So the honey sure. is my Nothing list. Wrong with that. But it keeps and I get to keep an eye on the building uh, repairs, maintenance things that have to happen. Uh, uh, I truly, I, I help set up the patio uh, and the cafe early in the morning uh, so the staff can get prepped on the inside, but it gives me awareness of what's going on and, you know, a true uh, ability to make sure that, you know, people truly understand and I could show them, no, this is the best easy practice and the way to do it. So it's a constant training and, you know, and then let them do their job. I am not a micromanager. I have high expectations but I am also somebody who makes sure that we check in on a regular basis and I'm a good project manager and a leader. So, you know, I'm able to help people understand, you know, process priorities uh, and what gets us to the end goal. That is quite a balance that you've struck there. And I would say that, you know, the, the repairs and maintenance part can be highly gratifying. You yeah. know, I did quite I shoved, a bit of that I shoveled, too. <laughs> snow, I shoveled snow five hours Saturday and Sunday morning this weekend. But, you know, I have I have people that help. But in the case of yeah. that, I, it, it's my job, my responsibility, and I enjoy it. Let's talk about your future plans. I mean, to me, hearing all about Marvin's, this is a concept, like you said, that has legs, clearly. Do you have plans to expand this concept, franchise this concept, take it? out of Chicagoland to other places that fit that same, you know, culture and, and design aesthetic yeah. and TV dinner, inclusivity, nostalgia. Yeah. Thing. I mean, I see that this whole thing has, has yeah. legs to it beyond your location on the corner. I like you say that, you know, has legs to it. I say that as well. We, you and I probably say a lot of the same things, but you're the same age. I agree. <laughs> kids these days, they don't get it. Um, Yes. And I'm also, you know, not one to look at something and an opportunity and not then take advantage of it. So the idea of Marvin's was, you know, by situation. But once I put my effort and energy into it and building the brands and a lot of different logos and packaging that goes with it, merchandise Mm -hmm. and the extension of that, my brand extension. Yes. The concept is something that's right for the times, not just even on this corner. So I think there is going to be an extension of the Marvin's brand. Uh, You know, we'll see how uh, we get into the summer and what the end of this year looks like. But I definitely do now have the plan to extend beyond just the Fulton Market District. I think it's right for the times. The menu's right. The vibe's right for a lot of places and Mm -hmm. not just the Chicagoland area. But I, I, I... I would venture to say, like we said earlier, I'm kind of habitual in starting things and, you know, finishing them. So, you know, you'll, you'll be able to enjoy some Marvin's cheeseburgers somewhere else soon. I look forward to that. 
That that's just sounds great. It's making me hungry because it's almost lunchtime. <laughs> yeah. So let's talk a little bit about 555 International. Now, you're the founder of that interior design firm, and you've done some really world-renowned restaurants as well. Uh, like, how, how involved are you still with that part of the business? Because you've also got, obviously, um, you know, we talked about your catering, your event operation, I should say, yes. that will have a very strong comeback soon, as, as yes. soon as this whole thing passes. I mean, where do you find the time? <laughs> like, yeah. how do you do well, it? I don't sleep a lot, and oh. I'm at the 555 office usually very early in the morning. Uh, I kind of have three, a triangle of places that I, businesses and offices that I go most days if I'm not traveling. But uh, yeah, I lead the 555 team. Uh, we actually have a lighting division, New Star Custom Lighting. Uh, we have a president that leads up that division. It's been an extension of our company and our design of metal, wood, lighting, and signage. Uh, I lead up the creative team completely and sales for 555 in the world of hospitality and retail. Uh, I'm the creative lead. Uh, all projects that we work on that require, uh, you know, design, because a lot of what we do as a manufacturer, we also manufacture for other end users, restaurateurs, and owners, because we utilize our facilities to help others in that way and build a business. But I am the creative lead with our design teams, uh, both in branding and environments and product design. Uh, and with my experience in uh, design and manufacturing, helped lead up the, you know, the transition of design and the development into the manufacturing side and delivery of the product and installation. So uh, I am uh, chief project manager uh, interrelating with the clients and, and the contractors and our team on a lot of the major projects. Uh, we have staff that are project managers and design that help on many of them, but I'm very committed to and very involved and very engaged in delivering what we do for our clients with 555 because, you know, we end up working for the owner, the end user, the brand builder. And when we make a commitment, when I make a commitment, I want to make sure that they are getting the top level response and the top level experience. And it doesn't get handed down to second and third and fourth level people. Also part of our guest experience and customer service. When you hire us, you hire the bosses and you have uh, the cell number of the bosses and God forbid there's a problem, you can call the boss right away. So we've never hidden behind multiple layers of people in my world. Uh, that's not my business practices. Same thing in the hospitality game. So, yeah, I am very involved in that, helping to bring that those projects to fruition. This morning, 6.30 in the morning, we're finishing a wonderful new uh, restaurant project, uh, Andros Taverna in Logan Square in Milwaukee for an uh, amazing chef, Doug Saltis, uh, formerly of the uh, Lettuce Entertainment Group. This is his first restaurant. But early in the morning, I'm there with my crew. We are bringing in the last of the last of the cushions, hanging mirrors and doing that. So actively involved in it uh, brings, you know, truality and reality uh, to fruition for our projects. I can't, can't send it out there. Can't, can't fly it in from left field. Got to be involved and engaged to be able to, you know, with the owner, they know, we know that we did our job the right way and have finished the right way. So you mentioned earlier that you were traveling quite a bit, obviously, pre-pandemic. And I'm sure that this, you know, design 
business requires constant travel. Did that take a shift during the pandemic? Are you doing, because you really can't do so much virtually. I mean, like you said, you really got to be hands-on. It's very difficult. Um, I did some traveling during the pandemic. We had a very large project going on in uh, Inglewood, California, the new SoFi Stadium for the Rams and the Chargers. We did a major uh, retail design project of all the retail facilities, and that was part of design that was going on prior to the pandemic. So Mm. we were actually in build-out and and fit-out. So uh, I I was in Los Angeles a number of times during the pandemic. but it really, truly, the pandemic and the shutdown and the lack of travel, the lack of engagement with your clients, collaboration with your team, it's not great. It's really detrimental to the creative process, which is a collaborative process. So it's been a very difficult year plus yes. Yes, dealing is. with that and everybody trying to deal with Zoom and go-to calls because it is very much uh, – uh, counter to how I work and and how it, it's supposed to work in that process. We're supposed to be with our clients. We're so we're supposed to go out to restaurants and bars and look through the same eyes and understand what the nuances are. And that's how we always did it. So really difficult now, very trying. Um, but you know, it's, <laughs> it, 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 you, you you do what you got to do. Yeah, I hear you. I was doing a lot of industry speaking across the country part of the pandemic. And now the Zoom thing just takes something out of the whole experience. You know, I still do virtual stuff, but it's like, it's not the same. It's like, I love to stand on stage in front of a crowd and deliver a message and right, you know, get people riled up and rah, rah and all that. And you just, yeah, things have changed. So, but I'm optimistic, you know, I definitely see the light. Um, I think the horizon is right there and a lot of positive things are happening. And I think you're, you know, you're, you're in a similar situation. I agree. A thousand percent. Your roof deck for one is, I mean, as soon as that roof deck is built out, you'll be able to use yeah. it. It's like stuff's going on. That's yeah. Great. And I believe uh, Punxsutawney Pete said a week ago, there was only six weeks left of winter. So that means there's only five weeks left of winter now. No. So I positive know. mental attitude all the time. PMA. <sighs> I hear you. I'm building out a barn on my property. It's a classic post and beam New beautiful. England barn that's going to be a wood-fired pizzeria and a bar. Oh, and I'm beautiful. diving into that project right now as we speak. And that's like three months away. So it's like, oh, my God, pull all the strings and what's going to happen, you know? And So, yeah, stuff is happening. It's optimistic. It's great. Let's talk a little bit about you created a master's program as well in entrepreneurial hospitality at Tulane University. That's pretty slick. Well, I didn't create the program. Actually, I've been involved with the creation of the program. Okay, tell me about it. With, well, well, counseling with the uh, the Dean Iris Solomon of the A.B. Freeman Business School at Tulane mm-hmm. uh, and John Clark, the associate dean. Uh, sometime a number of years ago, they 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 came up with an idea of how to uh, how to bring uh, some new programs to their business school. And they felt that uh, entrepreneurial hospitality that is something that uh, they, they wanted to start to look and see, is this truly something that would be right? Uh, what does this program mean? What could it truly do? Uh, and um, I was uh, recommended to Dean Solomon uh, by some people in the industry as somebody maybe to talk to. Uh, they came to Chicago. We discussed their ideas uh, and what my experience are. And they asked me to be on the board and truly help to initially build the program, not just be on a board, 
but to help understand what the needs are and truly what's entrepreneurial hospitality. And that's what I was kind of talking about earlier, how hospitality and, and that guest experience should now be used uh, in, in a much bigger way in many businesses. And uh, the building of businesses, the entrepreneurial side, and what is that value added? What is the differentiation maker by using hospitality in that, with that entrepreneurial opportunity and spirit? So that's the program. Uh, it's a master's-based program that we worked on in developing. Uh, just got kicked off finally. Unfortunately, it's virtual. Uh, last year, we did a couple of seminars, and I'm teaching seminars I'll go down there and, you know, various aspects of uh, my engagement involved with both uh, an entrepreneur, but many aspects of food and beverage. Uh, and that will be ongoing. Last weekend actually gave a, last Friday gave a seminar, an hour and a half seminar to one of the classes going on as well, virtually. Uh, the one last year we were engaged, uh, you know, in the physical environment. But this is now a program where, uh, you know, the true nuance and the true, like I said, differentiation maker is going to come forward because businesses that are based upon promotion or price beating or uh, competition is stiff everywhere. The difference that you will have an advantage you will have is that guest experience and, and the hospitality. So how can we then train that in uh, uh, students in business, in law, in medical, uh, you know, what truly is the, the difference when somebody engages and they come into your accounting firm? How can you use hospitality to better the experience and to better your position in competition? Uh, so that's the program that's being built. It's being rolled out now. Uh, and I'm very excited about it because I had never thought about being in business initially, I was flunking out of high school. My mother actually made me quit my job at the Hyatt House. Uh, when she asked me, are you going to college? I said, no, Peter Hewer is going to get me in the executive chef training program. I'm going to go around the world. I'm going to be a, a chef in Hyatt's world. She said, ah, I don't think so. She said, you try college for a year. If you don't like it, do whatever you want. Well, fortunately, I, I got some good education and I, I, I have manufacturing uh, engineering experience. I have a fine arts degree, industrial design degree. Uh, I learned a little bit about business, but it, what it gave me were the tools to truly go out and do everything that I said I wanted to do. And it just so happened that a lot of it is in the hospitality industry. But my life has been entrepreneurial hospitality, without a doubt. And uh, I felt very good about the ability to help build the program. We did a lot of, a lot of the graphics and the initial selling uh, materials and literature uh, and counseled on the type of classes that should be put forward and now to be engaged and to go back and do seminars and participate. I'm very excited about that because, you know, I speak it, I live it, uh, and I think, uh, you know, a lot of people should truly understand it and will, we'll again, be that that leg up on the competition, the value added when, you know, somebody is selling or buying services or goods. That's fantastic. Tremendous. Well, James, it's been my pleasure hosting you on the Restaurant Rockstars podcast. And thanks again to our audience for tuning in. And we will see you in the next episode. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> thanks, James.
Guys, didn't I tell you that was going to be an inspiring episode? Think about all the ideas and all the vision and all the just really incredible stuff that James has been doing with his life, you know, in terms of artistic, aesthetic, hospitality, team building, having a vision for a space and creating something that he, you know, intuitively knew that the public would gravitate to and to be flying in the face of all these Michelin-starred restaurants in the neighborhood with a truly unique concept, all based on nostalgia. You know, I don't think nostalgia will ever go away. So I'm really excited to bring you this episode, and I'm really glad you tuned in. Hey, I wanted to thank this week's sponsors. Thanks so much to RestaurantBrands.com and Dawn Professional Dish Liquid for bringing this podcast to you. And by the way, I would really love to talk shop with you. If you guys have any challenging pain points or anything that keeps you up at night, you know, why not give me a ring? I have a 30-minute no-obligation <laughs> consultation call. We'll set it up on Zoom. We'll chat. We'll get to know each other. I'll talk about your concept. You can ask me questions, and hopefully I can give you some ideas that'll help you um, transform your business or solve your challenges. So reach out to me, Roger, R-O-G-E-R, at restaurantrockstars.com. And we will see you in the next episode. Thanks for listening to the Restaurant Rockstars podcast. For lots of great resources, head over to restaurantrockstars.com. See you next time.